All right. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everyone. I'm extremely uh, grateful, humbled, and excited that we are joined again for episode number three of Dan uh, Winter and Dave Zed. And without further ado, we're going to be discussing today uh, deep electric science of love and true the true romance of physics, if you will. But without uh, before getting into that, rather, Mr. Winter, how are you today, sir? And thank you so much for coming back. <laughs> I'm great. I, I'm impressed with all the connections you have, Dave, and uh, our network is growing. People are seriously interested in the beautiful connection between physics and spirituality. It's a good thing. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. 100%. 100%. Great. So, um, yes, the topic of today's prepared <clears throat> conversation, we're hoping it's romantic, is a deep electric science of love, a truly romantic physics. And uh, I must say, uh, you know, I've spent half a lifetime on this indirectly and directly. You know, where did I come to be interested in the electrical nature of emotion? And how did that lead me to the deep science of love? Well, <laughs> you know, and some people say, well, if you're going to talk about spirituality and love using physics, that's going to get boring or that's going to get unromantic. And, and we would like to suggest the opposite is, in fact, the case. The beauty of spirituality and the beauty of love is enhanced with an electrical understanding because <laughs> the, the rose gets deeper. <laughs> so with that in mind, um, the, the first step I would like to suggest is that we consider the, the human body primarily as a charge or plasma field, your aura. And it's that charge or plasma field aura, which for example, will survive into lucid dreaming and survive death. So when spiritual people say, you know, your spiritual people, your spiritual body is more important than your physical body. Well, indirectly, they're right. But importantly, it doesn't mean you can ignore your physical body. It means, no, your physical body needs to be, in a sense, perfected in order to have a quality spiritual body. And so the idea is once you understand that your aura is your spiritual immortality, it makes it means you can't be schizophrenic and think oh well i can ignore my physical body i'll just take care of my spiritual one no 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 what this means is that you don't get a good aura until after your physical body is very happy basically uh so fundamentalist christians for example thinking oh well i can ignore my body god will take care of it no no that's a mistake here uh the the, the actual immortality is the coherence of your aura and that we've shown is actually measurable uh, excitingly, we just completed uh, a really a, a video that went viral with wonderful Jean-Charles Moyen showing that his ability to lucid dream repeatedly proven with witnesses that he came back from the lucid dream with sand between his toes and items like water and crystals from where he went during the dream. So his lucid dreams became literally a portal Stargate experience. And we measured his aura. And clearly the prediction was true that the golden ratio harmonics in the brainwave implosion flameandmind.com and the onset of coherence in his breath all indicated that the moment when his ability to propagate in the dream as it were uh was directly related to uh the onset of that compression in his aura so implosive compression in the aura basically allows is called the the ba from the car the kesjan body the rainbow light body it allows the propagation into the longitudinal array longitudinal interferometry what dave and i were just talking about so literally the physics of a stargate portal in jean charles moyen the famous french secret space program experiencer uh proves that 
the ability to make this portal or stargate starts with implosive compression in the aura and that centripetal implosive compression that perfect valentine literally is a perfect introduction to the physics and electrical science of what is love <laughs> so I, I would if i may suggest our last video uh on uh on jean charles moyen and the secret space program the physics of lucid dreaming measured with uh, physiology physiologically and in biofeedback with flame in mind is a beautiful intro to what we're discussing tonight and leads to this you know can we really talk about the electrical nature of love in a way that's romantic <laughs> Right, right. So, and the next concept that leads to is, remember, we said, A, it is your aura that has your potential for becoming immortal. We've been saying that for many years. Uh, two, then, does that explain with the old sort of um, saying, perhaps even Sufi saying, which is, you only really fall in love with pure intention. <laughs> what, what, is that? what does that actually mean? Well, it, it it relates to the physics of bliss in this sense that making your aura immortal is not just a biological yearning, but it's an appropriate desire. <laughs> it isn't selfish. No, no. Your aura is the continuity of memory that deserves and needs to get immortal. Absolutely. And remember, your aura is literally a uh, a plasma donut tornado. That's what your aura is, and your aura then as a plasma donut twister tornado is literally looking to be steered in such a way as to embed in that which can make it as a plasma tornado can make it sustainable as to say immortal so when you say you only fall in love with pure intention what you're really saying is well my aura is here yearning to get immortal and i need someone to steer <laughs> And uh, so that yearning, you know, you it, it's like supposing you met a girl and you realize, well, this girl might not be the most brilliant person you ever met, but you notice that this person has compassion and love and a sense of the long term. And so you fall in love with the pure intention because you intuitively know that only pure intention survives. Pure intentions is a name for embeddability into a shareable wave, which is to say a survival wave front that can become immortal because it's literally pure principle. So the idea that pure intention is what really sells a lover. <laughs> so as you walk into your first date, you might even ask yourself, well, how can I radiate pure intention? Uh, perhaps I should not be mean to the waitress. <laughs> Uh, I, I did, Dan, if I may, I did want to ask one question, uh, only because it, it pertains precisely to this, I think, before you start your presentation. Um, and that is that I was watching uh, a couple of nights ago, uh, before I went to sleep, a World War II documentary specifically on Mr. Rudolf Hess. Now, what, what was interesting was that after he had been sort of pushed to the side out of Hitler's inner circle, he attended um, electrotherapy. Uh, and this facility is still open today. I forgot where in Germany exactly, but apparently what was after he got this electric therapy done to him, Mr. Hess then got the idea to take a secret flight to Britain to try and make peace for world peace. So the, right after he got this electric therapy, he had a sudden change in heart, if you want to call it. So <laughs> would this be in that same regard, in that same field? It, it, very, very useful, interesting question. I would draw the metaphor to 
uh, Daniel Brinkley famously writing at least two books on the experience of near death directly after having been hit by lightning in both cases, I believe. And, you know, not only after his lightning near death experience, did he come back uh, where he touched anyone and he could see the peak emotions of their entire life just by touching them. We now know electrically what that is. The imploded spun DNA will measurably become a superconductor when exposed to amperage as spark at the moment of crystallization. And that's true of a gold monofilament and a DNA monofilament. They will both become quasi-superconductive quasi when they get a little bit of lightning, <laughs> literally the physics of Kundalini. So also we know in the Templar lore and the Christian idea that in fact, surviving a three-day near-death experience was the prime initiation. Why? Because if you can come through the still point at the center of lightning, therein lies the shareable wave which is to say pure intention, which is to say essence, which is to say the reason for being raison d'etre, as it were. So uh, in fact, there are certain kinds of electrical experiences. Actually, you know, I had a major 440 volt three phase uh, shock when I ran the electric motor shop in my family business, you know, and I came back and there were certain memories. And actually, it is well known that Tesla, after his near-death experience due to electrocution, he came back with profound insight. So the in the case of being struck by lightning, very particular Daniel Brinkley's story, I think that's a very good introduction to the fact that if you do if you survive having inhabited the center of a still point, why the Sufi dance student knows that he has pure intention if he does not get dizzy during the spin. <laughs> the same physics applies that the pure intention is not getting dizzy when you're turning. That is Sufi. <laughs> so this, Why? This, this speaks to the human body being a, a conductor, sort of, so to speak, and like a radio, you just need to tune in to the right frequency and you have that memory suddenly come to you. Well, yes, but it, it says more. It says that just like the ice skater pulling in her hands during the spin, she would then speed up and at the center of maximum spin lies the center of maximum information literally the shareable wave so you know i'm not recommending being hit by lightning but if you do you might enjoy the view on the way down <laughs> as they the guy fell falling off the, the mountain guide says well if you do fall off the cliff you know there's an amazing view to your right <laughs> <laughs> this okay so this may also I, I don't mean to to take up any more of your time relative to the presentation but this could also explain potentially why a lot of people whether for better or worse mostly better uh, benevolently seem to have when they climb mountains at very high peaks, sudden um, uh, enlightenments or awakenings mentally. They get to the top of that mountain and it's like they come back down, they're a different person in a better way. And that's a very useful metaphor. In fact, the ability to inhabit the center of spin is the ability to inhabit the center of mind quite clearly. And most mountains have a very particular charge field where in fact, there can be quite a charge vortex. And in fact, that's why probably 80% of tourism on planet earth exists because everybody wants sacred space, but they right. don't, they're not aware that sacred space has been measured and we know exactly what it is. It's the fractality in air that results from spin density as Karatkov measured. So we know very well what, what sacred space is, which is, the center of spin, 
which is our subject here. So this will then lead us to the conversation about Tantra, for example. From that yearning to be immortal, two auras are attracted. Now, if the two auras can merge and completely relax, and we're going to show how that's measured in not just GDV, but in EKG, when the heart's phase lock, and the auras become centripetal in a communed state, uh, those auras would, it's more than times two, let's say. Right. <laughs> so, you know, the physics of Tantra is the potential of that bond to immortalize both of them. And so Tantra, in this sense, is literally the communion of the auras that results from perfect phase lock embedding. And the yearning you have to hug someone is basically the yearning to touch the center of lightning. It's, it's an appropriate yearning, but then we need to recognize, that's why, you know, when you're looking for who to love and who to hug and who to kiss, you're actually looking for twinkle in the eye initially. And it's obvious why, <laughs> that's, that's where the spark is. <laughs> the spark, ex exactly. So that's not as metaphorical as people may think. <laughs> is quite literal exactly so that's that's the concept of tantra and aura so that's going to lead us then to embeddability which is that when the two auras nest it's literally a case of you know the little aura inhabiting the center of the bigger aura and that embed ability ability to embed and the the symbol for the valentine of love is literally that implosion so electrically the concept of love makes very good sense and that's going to lead us to the syntax literature in a minute but first my history in the study of the electrical nature of emotion might be a bit relevant here specifically as i've told this part of the story way too many times but there i was in the psychophysiology undergrad and graduate school and albert axe one of the inventors of biofeedback is my mentor university of detroit and we're in the lab a psychophysiology lab and i'm the electrical engineer in charge of the polygraph oh cool and remember albert axe had just you know been the world leader in electrically defining or measuring the difference between emotions now the study he did that made our lab famous was used eight psychophysiological variables to differentiate fear from anger and the way he induced fear and anger in a laboratory setting i will tell you would be highly illegal today <laughs> he made them afraid <laughs> Wow, <laughs> but but the point was, uh, you know, we did we did get a very definite difference in fingerprint between fear and anger, and I can tell you, uh, this is going to then work beautifully with the next step when we discover the syntax literature on the musical geometry of the wave shape of emotion as a change in pressure over time. Uh, that in fact, fear versus anger, fear was resistance to spin, stop the world, I want to get off versus and fear is the mind killer because it is the spin killer obviously <laughs> and uh where anger it was quite different it was literally the 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 active movement to destructive wave interference and we're going to see that in um the the centric literature because the waveform for anger is one over seven maximum destructive wave interference like let's chase these money changers out of the temple shall we jesus you know <laughs> So, but it, when Albert Axe differentiated fear and anger, um, the concept of resistance is, is core here, actually. And my first experience was in that laboratory, and this is the sexy part of the story, was, you know, I'm a young uh, college student, and here's me discovering that college males 
when you show them Playboy magazine, the change in their GSR, galvanic skin resistance, was faster than a transistor switch. You know, like the response to Playboy magazine was electrical. <laughs> and I'm an electrical engineer, so I was interested. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's, it's like when people say you can feel the the electricity in in the room, literally. Exactly. Yes. And, yeah. and and so uh, now GSR galvanic skin resistance. You've got two probes on the fingers. Later, I did with with Cleve Baxter. We measured plant polygraphy and plants responding to human emotions with the same transducer. Transducer, but GSR galvanic galvanic skin resistance is also called uh, uh, Palmer sweating or vasodilation. But in every case, it simply means a measured change of resistance in the skin between the two fingers. It's measured with something called a Wheatstone bridge, which is just a very, very sensitive way to measure a very slight change in resistance. So obviously, when you show Playboy magazine to a college male, there's a more than slight change in resistance. And, and, and the suddenness the rapidity i mean there we were studying how fast transistors were but in fact you know i think actually this response <laughs> puts a transistor to shame this was quick <laughs> right so so there i was interested in the electrical nation of nature of motion right from that day <laughs> sorry and if i can ask when you say that the, the it put the transistor to shame does that speak to the 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 possible or the the rather more likely potentiality of the human body being a better craft or stargate than any tangible material can can develop well you know biologic transistors ultimately point the fact that biologic materials can be the most efficient dielectric so obviously you know it was not understood well at that time but now that we understand more about the physics of kundalini we know that the body can make a very powerful black hole tornado steering and in the case of john charles moyen stargate making that john charles moyen did not need uh, you know uh, the movie stargate to make a stargate no no his aura implode we measure that dramatic alpha to beta golden ratio brainwave implosion cascades and his body became hugely centripetal he began to feel dizzy and suddenly he was miles away at the beach just that fast Whoa. and it, it, actually you should look at john charles moyo's fi films famous filmmaker these these are not fantasy stories these are you know dozens and dozens of witnesses well documented no these are lucid dreams that became real uh, you want to make your dreams real? Oh, maybe we should study the physics. <laughs> Gosh, wow. Like, how shall we make dreams real? Well, I think imploding is step one, actually. So this is similar, if I, if I could ask, when people, for example, there have been some people that have come forward in the news lately that have talked about, you know, this occurred to them 10, 20, 30 years ago, but they're coming forward now saying that they were abducted in a benevolent sense. And when they got returned to their home, they asked just in their mind, focused intent to the beings, how they channeled them. They said they felt this new sort of like... um. Uh, accessibility or tunability in their mind and they would say to the beings it, to, to prove that my abduction was not just some fantasy dream can you just place me somewhere else within one second of blinking they would be at a hotel say 10 blocks over from their home and then they would say can you bring me back they blink again they're back in their 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 house that that's like it's true and the physics of stargates and portals uh, actually the film we just made with elena denon on the physics of stargates and portals has about sixty thousand views now and we went into that physics in great detail it's basically implosion but i would caution most of the abduction experiences that humans have on this planet were 
essentially by the bad guys. You know, it was yeah. the neighbor of the Greys. This was mostly bad news. I agree. Uh, but it's true that both the good guys and the bad guys knew how to use the stargates and portals. And regulating that has to do with the repair of the fabric of time. And that's advanced material beyond the scope of. <laughs> but 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 you're right. So there's abundant evidence that when you get implosive, uh, you become psycho psychokinetic. Basically, that's the core here. And this then leads us nicely to the next step in our conversation about the electrical science of love. Because now we're moving from the psychophysiology. Oh, it was a change in resistance. Now we're going to move to my friendship with Manfred Kleins, uh, the Centix literature on the wave shape for love. If I click share screen, uh, <clears throat> where's the keynote here? Firefox. Okay. Uh, oh, keynote. Here we go. Bliss sub implosion full. So we're doing implosion full sequence. Bear with me one second. Get the right screen. Okay. You should see be seeing implosion full sequence. And we're at slide number 306 to 8. Okay. 306. Okay. So this. I love your slides, by the way. I love how you present it too, as well. <laughs> yeah. Now, admittedly, you know, I've been doing conferences on sacred geometry and the physics of emotion for 30 years. So some of these slides are a little old. <laughs> it's a well, good thing I'm not old. Uh, <laughs> I love them nonetheless. So thank you so much. <laughs> So this is about the yearning for embeddability. So in a tribal dance, uh, the membrane is charged by plasma embedding. And this was literally steering the collective plasma in a spiral towards centripetal force. And that's that's beautiful, actually. Um, this is about using ohm to create implosion sonically. But this, this is the slide I wished to discuss briefly. Though. So this is Manfred Kleins, whom I knew fairly well. Um, and he... Uh, uh, this is from the book Centix, um, microsoundmusic.com, very famous. Uh, but I want to explain briefly the physics here. So being a concert violinist, he had uh, taken great interest in the fact that the way he would touch his violin string determined whether people would cry when he played his violin. And I think he liked making people cry, actually. So he studied that. Can't blame the guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was studying love effectively. And so uh, he developed a centimeter, which is this gadget here. It's a primitive. But what this is, it's highly complicated. It's a button on a spring. I've described it now. I'm finished describing it. It's a button on a spring. And if you put a, put a pen on a piece of paper behind the button on the spring, you make a graph of the change in pressure over time of your touch. In this case, the way not just the way you would touch a violin string to say love when you're playing, but also the way you would touch your lover. You, you know, if you're, your lover says, well, you don't touch me like my other lover does. And so you have to study the love, the love touch. And if you want to do that, Manfred Kleins is the place to start. <laughs> and so then he had um, people touch that button and imagine joy. And he did that. 100,000 times around the world with dozens of culture, and then anger, and then hate, and then love. And then he analyzed the graphs, averaged, and did that around the world. And the, this was the universal language. The wave shape for the touch that says, I love you, is the same in every culture around the planet. So culturally, there is an identity here. And uh, something is dramatically different about the change in pressure over time 
of the hug or squeeze or touch that says, I love you. You can practice this, you know, take your lover and squeeze her arm three times. Once I'm going to send love, then I'm going to send joy, then I'm going to send anger and practice. And pretty soon you'll find out that this is a language. It's a skill. The skill to love someone, to you know, just love someone, the skill to hug someone to say, I love you. <laughs> the, the test is a. <clears throat> You administer your, your, your theoretically uh, best practice love hug, and then you say, did you feel a tingle in your DNA? <laughs> and, if, I, if I may ask, Dan, does this speak to when people claim to be uh, have very benevolent experiences, although I must say seldom, but when they, they do, they claim that those that speak to them, they claim telepathically, but words are not being put in their head so much as it is feelings, but the feeling has a, a language that can't verbally be depicted, if that makes exactly, sense. Exactly, exactly. And so, so that's the point here, that the feeling is not just a feeling in the plasma, but it's a literally a wave geometry, which is identifiable. It's a hard science. Specifically, then, then I did an analysis on Manfred Klein's waves. Now, I did this work, not Manfred Klein's, where I took his wave shapes and I took three things, the start of the wave, the end of the wave, versus the moment of max pressure in the wave. That's three things, a beginning and an ending and the max pressure point. And by doing that, I came up with these ratios. So when you when you touch someone to say, I'm angry, the moment of max pressure occurs one, one seventh into the duration. And if you know musically, the seventh will create maximum destructive wave interference, which is good for kicking money changers out of a temple if you're angry. <laughs> the, the thing is, don't identify with the anger wave because it ain't sustainable, it's self-canceling, oops. <laughs> But it is pure geometry, whereas the wave that says joy occurs at, notice there's more bounce, but occurs at one-sixth in the duration, which is pure hex, it's space-filling, and it's beautiful, and that's the joy wave. And <clears throat> the, the touch that says love, actually, is dramatically different. I mean, it's a dramatically different love, it's a different shape of touch. When you squeeze someone and you say love, whether it's a touch or a squeeze, Always, after you know hundreds of thousands of trials, we note that the point of max pressure is tantrically delayed until about 0.618 into the duration of that pressure wave. So mu musically, you have initiated golden ratio implosion, literally in the touch that says, I love you. And that's why you feel a dingle in your DNA, literally, because you've created embeddability. I mean, it's pure geometry wave mechanics absolutely and the syntax literature is proof of that in my view so that leads us to the idea of non-destructive embed embedding in the heart with wings and and then this is the whole implosion geometry the tetracube stellation the christed one the, the 13th sphere among uh, 12 uh, the christos and that's pure implosive compression the jitterbug the physics of superconductivity so this gets us back then to the conversation we wanted to have here, which was when you measure the electrical origin of the heartbeat, it's well proven in uh, When Time Breaks Down, Origin of Cardiac Arrhythmia by Arthur T. Winfrey, this image from his book. The heart is literally a donut inside a donut, electrically imploding. And when, that, when the harmonics of that electric field becomes implosive, that's literally the physics of compassion. And so here, this is the beginning of my work then, 
when I first invented the term heart coherence and taught HeartMath Institute how to measure heart coherence, which is now realheartcoherence.com. So this is my friend here, and she's focusing on her heart. And before the heart power spectra is disordered, and after on the bottom, the power spectra, the harmonics from zero to 30 hertz are ordered. It's very simple. So this was my discovery of the physics of heart coherence. And when someone is sending love, you see this in the EKG. And this is what I taught HeartMath originally how to do. But I wanted a more elegant way to measure that coherence. And that's going to be the next slideshow. So here, this is something called a second order power spectrum, which measures the amplitude of heart coherence. And when you feel love, your heart coherence goes up and it becomes a laser. And this is the early version of my heart tuner, which later became realheartcoherence.com. And we're going to talk about that a lot. So this is the raw EKG. And here's the EKG harmonics, which is the power spectra of the EKG on the bottom. And on the top right is the coherence measure called a sepstrom. This is the heart tuner, which is the predecessor of realheartcoherence.com. But the point is that literally when you get lovers together and we're going to show these animations these harmonics actually embed and line up so not only does the heart the hearts become in phase but the hearts actually phase lock so that the amplitude of the amount of coherence the vertical amplitude of this peak is a measure of pure intention it's quite literally a functional lie detector if you're speaking your truth your heart coherence goes up if you're telling a lie it goes down and it's functionally able to measure kinesiology. I, and imagine, then when you, I imagine this puts the typical lie detectors to, to shame. Well, you know, after a graduate school in psychophysiology, everyone says, oh, do you build lie detectors? I say, yes. <laughs> <Another one. laughs> right, right. But because actually that amplitude of that peak, whenever you're speaking your truth, the amplitude goes up. And if you tell a lie, it does go down because biologically your heart knows what the truth is because it knows what a shareable wave is. So that's why pure intention is actually electrically measurable. Then there's a whole science of missing harmonics in the heart where you can see, you, you know how voice analysis, finding the missing harmonic, you can do profound uh, medical suggestions. Uh, well, with heart coherence, the same way you find the missing harmonic and you definitely, it's very diagnostic, it's powerful. And, and so that leads us to the, this literature about a healthy heart is a fractal heart. And, and so heart math made a mistake when they said breathing at one frequency is heart coherence. Actually, the truth about heart coherence is that harmonic inclusiveness is what identifies health. And that's called fractal, healthy heart is fractal. So these are some of the original slides. We call this a marriage counselor's dream here, you see, because here are two people whose hearts, not only are they coherent together, but the right left movement of the sepstrom second order power spectra peak indicates the musical key signature of their two ekgs proving that their hearts are literally beating together and we just discussed the fact that in tantra to embed the two auras you breathe together this is the breath harmonics here heart rate variability and here is the uh coherence of the heart the heart's musical key signature so this actually became a game which we teach which is how you can link hearts and uh, these are from the original heart tuner, which looked like this. And we're going to show this in the next slide, show how that became the new heart tuner. So now I stop that screen share. So um, 
so we've talked about embedding. We've talked about the polygraph and resistance. We've talked about syntax, the musical shape, wave shape of emotion. Now we're going to talk about how uh, realheartcoherence.com actually can graphically display. Uh, basically, it is, it's actually used by one of the leading Tantra schools in California to teach Tantra. Uh, and um, also the heart coherence system was purchased by the leading bank in Australia, ANZ Bank in Melbourne, bought the heart coherence system from uh, to teach their bank managers empathy for their black clients, actually. And it, it, remember this as a way to practice the chosen skill of having empathy, obviously to learn to breathe together, Heart rate variability will measure the breath entrainment, which is yogic. Then to come in phase with the EKGs, and when they lock, you do in fact have the physics of embeddability, the physics of pure intention. So this is just a, a quick look at realheartcoherence.com now. So realheartcoherence.com, this is the newest version of the heart coherence measure. It's a, with my partner, Patrick Botti from Belgium. It's a two-channel EKG amplifier, which is remarkably inexpensive. And, and you see here, oops, I switched with, this is an animation from Patrick's website. But you see how the display works, that the amplitude of the primary peak of the septstrum indicates the musical key signature of the two hearts. The, I'm sorry, the right-left position of that peak indicates the musical key signature of the the two hearts and the size or amplitude of that peak indicates the amount of coherence so when those two peaks line up you have the conditions for empathy and tantra and the way you can there's many ways that we graphically display this but here it is on the screen that you can actually watch your two hearts line up the two people here's two lovers learning to link hearts by measurement now the other electrical nature of love fundamental here is that there is a musical scale to heart rate, which is indicative of love, actually. And, and this is after many years of doing this work, um, that um, when the uh, musical fundamental of the EKG is near 1.0 seconds here, that will indicate we call it the bank manager position. It means stuck in your head. Whereas when the musical fundamental goes to golden ratio, 0.61 seconds per beat, a faster heart rate, that indicates a touchy-feely permission to touch position. And we actually measure this that, you know, sports aficionados who get lower heart rate, it dramatically affects their ability to have love because it dramatically affects their ability to phase lock with others whose heart rate is actually higher. So people with very low heart rate, you know, real sports people, uh, it dramatically affects their ability to bond, actually. It's a very interesting. And now this, this we can't discuss in, in such great depth here today, but it actually uh, relates to the scaling factor that there is a sacred time. And 0.6 and 1 seconds are, in fact, golden ratio X once a plonk, implosive, uh, uh, implosion in time. And this is all at realheartcoherence.com. And we obviously don't have time for all of this today, but there's examples. But this is what we want to talk about here that um, 
when you say I would turn myself inside out for you, darling, what's happening literally is the electrical origin of the heartbeat is dimpling and turning inside out recursively and imploding. And medically, the harmonic inclusiveness in heart rate variability, that's the fastest way to measure immune health, is successful implosion donut within donut, which is the electrical origin of the EKG, which can only be harmonically inclusive if the harmonics are golden ratio based. And so this is the whole story from realheartcoherence.com. And then this is all based on, and there's a slideshow there. And this is all based on the fact that the heart harmonics and the breath harmonics and the Schumann harmonics and the spine liquid pump harmonics and the heart rate variability harmonics here, they're all golden ratio times Planck. That all of biology is tuned to implosion to Planck. So that's the physics of bliss and compassion compassion, because it is the physics of compression. And compression gets you to the center of that spin where the ice skater wants to pull in her hands. So the last part of this slideshow showing the current version of the technology is the bliss supplement. Uh, and then we're gonna go to questions here by share screen. So there's a final slideshow. It's the bliss supplement keynote, bliss supplement keynote, here we are. And we need a window, bliss supplement keynote, here we go. Measuring stress, oops. Moment. Okay, are you seeing the... Yes, I'm seeing um, measuring stress versus relaxation. Good, good. Which is, uh, this is leading us to the concept of power factor. Now, power factor in electrical theory is in phase, the voltage pressure peak is in phase with the flow or current peak. And when they're in phase in the circuit, you have what's called power factor, which is efficient wattage or power distribution. Well, it turns out that relaxation capability to bring uh, pressure versus flow in phase in the heart is the way you measure stress with our heart rate variability app, iThrive.com. Uh, so you're literally measuring the EKG, the heart's ability to bring into phase the pressure point with the flow peak. And that's called power factor for electrical engineers in electric circuits, but it's identical to the result of relaxation in the blood pressure system where the pressure peak and the flow peak line up in the blood flow and you get literally power factor. Um, so, but this is all discussed at, at iThrive.com and, um, and it's also at realheartcoherence.com. So um, the way we measure uh, the blood flow on the bottom, you see the um, pulse transducer, which is a finger plethysmogram. It's a light emitting diode, here's in yellow, and it's measuring uh, the vasodilation, vasoconstriction that results from the heartbeat. And that's this yellow wave going up and down. But notice there's a wave on the wave, the longer wave present here, which is a change of PPG or blood pressure over time, wave on a wave waving as it were and that geometry of that wave is profoundly related to the breath tuning of heart rate variability and that's the beautiful way in which power factor can be measured in heart rate variability and this is the genius of ithrive.com i-t-h-r-v-e.com which is our inexpensive heart rate variability app which measures all these things in the heart literally so this is an introduction to how we measure stress 
with iThrive.com. So there's a decrease in heart coherence will increase stress. Three, most importantly, stress is indicated by loss of resting phase lock between internal blood pressure resonance versus internal heart voltage peak. So when the heart voltage is in phase with the pressure moment, then you have power, power factor, literally, which is a term not just for electrical engineers, but also for the psychologists measuring stress. And there's a film about this, power factor zero point key to stress kundalini. This is, this is a bit advanced material from iThrive.com, which leads up to what we're now doing with realheartcoherence.com. And now newly, there's the end of this slide show. Let's see here, this is slide number, uh 133 so this is the physics of kundalini but the climax of this is the newest feature has been released in flame and mind which combines this ability to measure the low frequencies here the sacrocranial frequencies which are hrv related and here's the um we discussed this in the physics of kundalini these are the high frequencies which are in phase with the spinal liquid pump heard by meditators ringing in their ear also phase conjugate and implosive. So this leads to all the biophysics of Kundalini, and we're not going to take the time for this whole slideshow this evening, but you see the wave mechanics that the sacrocranial harmonics, which are here in red, and the pure implosion harmonics, which are here, which are, I'm sorry, the implosion harmonics by equation are in red, and the sacrocranial pump harmonics are in green, the mid-tidal, and the most important one here, the 0.0959 hertz, is the Mayer wave, which is the most important frequency in the blood, and the LF component of the HRV here. So this is all about implosion in the body and the wave mechanics of kundalini and bliss, which all begins with this science, literally, of the electrical nature of love. And um, just to conclude this presentation, then let's go to discussion. Um, but the last screen is about the new feature that we've just added to flameandmind.com brainwave for bliss measurement, which is uh, ability to measure heart coherence with brain coherence. Uh, bliss supplement, let me see if I have, it. that is a, a Firefox screen, messenger. You know, I'm going to share desktop here. Okay, so here's the desktop. And on Firefox, Brain Heart Link. So this is a new feature that's being added to flameandmind.com, which is right here. This should even animate. So what's happening here is on the top left, you have the brain harmonics. Oh, there we are. <laughs> Toys are working. So these are the brain harmonics. It's moving a little too fast, but there's your, your alpha is in green there in your brain harmonics. Now on the bottom in white, that is the infrasound of the brain. It's the low frequencies right from your brain waves telling you whether your brain harmonics are in phase with the very bottom wave, which is in red. There we go. The, the red wave there, see the black circles, that is your breath heart rate variability. And that is actually a Mayer wave 10 second breathing. So here you are breathing at 10 second cycles. And here is the brain infrasound in phase with the heart breath infrasound in phase with EEG. And that phase lock is being displayed top right. And so the uh, brain infrasound, uh, the HRV component 
the heart component is in red here and the brain low brain infrared brain low frequencies is in white so you can tell when your brain is in phase with your heart it's like a, your lover says well your heart is not hooked to your brain and here so if your lover wants your heart to get hooked to your head uh, uh you can actually practice here and uh so there there's two key frequencies here one is the 10 hertz uh, six cycles per minute here with this peak right there which is the mayor wave and the other is the uh, the draining of the ventricle liquids which is over here around two which is the two most profound infrasound frequencies of kundalini and bliss now, obviously, there's too much here to talk about in one conversation. And we, you know, I've been at, at this for a lifetime. But as you see, we've implemented all of this now at flameandmind.com and realheartcoherence.com. And in conclusion, I would say that we understand enough now about the electrical science of love that we actually understand why you cannot fall in love with something that's not embeddable. For example, you don't want to be in love with a steel building because your aura, if it tried to embed in that, would die. <laughs> so right. don't choose to love steel objects because they're not embeddable electrically. <laughs> I do. What, what, I do. You, yeah. You, you need to be in love with that which is imploding because that is embeddability, basically. So that was, if that's a happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, I want to thank you so much, uh, sir, for, Dan, for this presentation. Um, just to keep it very simple, I have at most three questions, if that's all right. And then I'm thinking we'll, uh, we'll wrap up uh, this evening's uh, recording. Um, so first and foremost, um, I was writing here as usual. I got my, you know, my, my, jitterbug type notes if you will but uh we see here that you spoke about 10 20 minutes ago pertaining to quote folding myself inside out for you as one lover would say to another would that by chance speak to what is currently called topology ah, <laughs> well you know uh the seven color donut which is our seven color torus i should have brought one from the other room but it's geometricmodels.com to find we distribute those but the seven color donut where all seven colors touch every other color is supposedly the solution to the oldest problem in topology which is how is one one color region could touch all other regions at once and the seven color map of the seven color donut which is codifies the seven arrows of the spin symmetry of the tetra which codifies the seven layers of heart and muscle, which codifies the physics of the tetrahedral symmetry origin of Hebrew, which codifies the seven arrows.net. So, and the, yes, is that a problem in topology? Absolutely. Is the most important problem that ever existed in topology the problem of turning inside out? Absolutely. Why? Because the origin of consciousness is the discovery of the symmetry of turning inside out ness, which codifies the sequence of letters called brachith. Bethrish, the first word of Genesis, which is incorrectly translated in the beginning. No, Faber-Dolivier got quite clear about that. At first, in principle, the origin of thingness and the shadows of the spirals on the Taurus that are the physics of the origin of Hebrew for the first word of Genesis, Bereshith, is literally the turns of mind necessary, the sequence of turns of mind necessary to turn inside out on the surface of a Taurus. Wow. which is not the origin just the origin of thingness the physics of creation itself because matter didn't exist until vortex learned to turn inside out but consciousness learns to exist the minute it learns to turn inside out because it begins imploding wow. and that's what makes it recursive 
and if if I can relate this to um to sort of surface level academia, although I must admit that I'm finding myself uh, distancing from it more and more each day and hour that I learn, uh, largely thanks to people like yourself, Dan, is something called evolutionary graph theory, and it's quite interesting that again we were looking at quite a few different graphs in this presentation, and the definition of that is the uh, studying how topology affects the evolution of any given population, which I find quite interesting because it seems to fall uh, coincide directly with what you just presented, the way in which one's aura or bio field sort of, dare I say, ripples when someone it has a very positive sort of emotion that spark in one's eye. Say, for example, you know, I went shopping today at a grocery store and this person that I walked by, they smiled at me where I'm not used to people smiling at me. And not only that, but they had a spark in their eye. I can't help but think that that speaks to the, you know, you fold me inside out, the whole thing relative to evolutionary graph theory. Well, yes, that basically a shareable wave is contagious. <laughs> and not only that, the urge to survive among waves is symmetry, give me symmetry or give me death. So it's that old story, you know, I took my shoes off in the line in the holistic health store in Santa Barbara and my sweaty feet touched the wooden floor and then at that instant the people in front of me and behind me in line decided they wanted to talk to me right. and it, obviously we know why electrically that ground created an electrical condition which was centripetal enough to make that wave shareable absolutely and and that is a topological solution and you know if you graph the onset of survival <laughs> that's what it's about it starts with survival of waves but eventually it's survival of memory right. so and it's like all all that graphic about turning inside outness and our origin of alphabets and all that is at goldenmean.info slash DNA ring, just for those that want those graphics. Thank you so much. Fantastic. And my final question was pertaining to, again, the, the electric science of love, the whole stress versus relaxation. And I was wondering when I, I noticed on one of your slides, you, uh, you had brought up that the um, sacral cranial pump is the zero point. And I noticed, that, again, I don't claim to understand nearly as much as you do with respect to the equations and all of that. But does this have anything to do with respects to stress and relaxation pertaining to something called the polarizable vacuum via the phase conjugation, if that makes sense? Yes, well, the idea is the polarity of the vacuum is essentially the difference between plus and minus charge. And plus and minus charge only reach a sustainable still point when they conjugate or implode. They, so. Yeah. You, you can't stay at a still point in a, a lightning or in Kundalini or in the breath unless you approach that still point using the golden ratio caduceus, perfect damping as it's described in radio theory, for example, which is an introduction of the caduceus implosion and phase conjugation. So to get the still point to be still and in phase still with uh, the infinite array, uh, obviously phase conjugate fractality is the solution to a sustainable still point. Which is why, you know, you do that wonderful caduceus breathing and right. you breathe to a still point. And at the still point, if you relax and you become implosively conductive, there's a dramatic bliss effect. And that shows up in the brainwaves beautifully. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, Dan, I want to thank you as always for your incredible, for, not only for your time, for your your decades of work towards this this effort and all of this. And, and 
I mean, probably the best, one of the best conversations. We've had a lot in the last six to eight months, but one of the best for sure that I've personally had with you. So I can't thank you enough, sir, truly. From the bottom of my heart and on behalf of everyone on the Gen, at the Gen Z community, thank you so much as always for, for your time and for this, this beautiful uh, presentation. <laughs> let's let's hope we understand better the, the how the deep science of love is actually romantic and it's physics and it's beautiful absolutely thank you so much sir thank you right, bye-bye bye-bye